Well, good evening. Let's uh, let's pray. Oh, Father, we we come to you tonight in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray that you would open uh, these words to us, that you would send your Holy Spirit, and He would teach us, that He would equip us, Lord, that He would reveal truth to us. Father, we ask you for your presence. We ask you for your help and your anointing. In Christ's name, amen. You can put paragraph 8 up there, David. So we continue to teach of the, of the church, chapter 26 in the Confession, paragraph 8. A particular church, gathered and completely organized according to the mind of Christ, consists of officers and members and the officers appointed by Christ to be chosen and set apart by the church, so-called, and gathered. For the peculiar administration of ordinances and execution of power or duty which he entrusts them with or calls them to, to be continued to the end of the world, our bishops or elders and deacons. So as we had learned last week, the term you know, particular church means a local church. We have the church that we call with a big C. It's, it's the universal church, the Catholic church, not the Roman Catholic church, the Catholic church. It's a universal church. But there are local expressions of Christ's body. And his church is organized by the mind of God. God has told us in his word how he wants his church to be structured. The church is the bride of Christ, the church is not a building. The church is the elect of God. It's the called out. Christ is the head. The church is his body. It's organized according to the mind of Christ. It was Christ's design. And this is his bride. And the all-sufficient word of God Recall, we're learning about the sufficiency of Scripture, that all Scripture is profitable, that he's given us everything that we need in the Word for life and godliness. Everything. And do you think that he would leave out something as important as how his church, the local church, is to be structured? He's appointed two offices in the church. And what we've done with it in our day, what we've done with it through history, through Roman Catholicism with the priestly, the sacerdotal priestly system that was put in place, when we have clear New Testament scripture, is what we call church polity, how the church should be organized. And he's given two offices, elders, deacons. We could call the office of elder presbyter. 
We, can, we have two Greek words, presbyteros and also episkopos. These are used interchangeably. We can use the Greek, or we can use the English words overseer, shepherd, elder, pastor. All four of those are synonymous, they're interchangeable. They're not distinct offices. The only distinct offices in the church are deacon and elder. Everything else is one and the same. In fact, Sam Waldron puts it this way. He says, there are not three offices in the church, minister or pastor, elder and deacon. There are only two offices, overseer, elder, pastor. Those are, those are all synonymous. That's one. And deacon. Pastors and elders are the same. The biblical teaching should not be subtly undermined by terminology like senior pastor or assistant pastor. It's just pastor elders. John Murray says the same thing. John Calvin says the same thing. And this is exactly what our confession is saying. We see in Ephesians 4.11 that he gave some, he gave gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, some pastors and teachers. That word pastor, teacher, some like that is one word. Pastor and teachers, this is, these are simply elders. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So we shouldn't end up with senior pastor, assistant pastor, youth pastor, simply pastor elder. And by the way, these offices, elders, are always plural. There's 18 passages that speak of leadership in the local church. 18 of them. 15 of them the elders are plural. Seven of those passages, it's plural in a single congregation, a single church. Three of them are singular, but could be applied as plural leadership. We're going to talk about that next Sunday as we teach on biblical leadership in a local church, one of our distinctives. So the clear weight of scripture is that the local church is to be governed by a plurality of elders we see it in philippians 1 1 where paul and timothy bond servants of jesus christ to all the saints gathered together at philip philippi with the bishops and deacons with the elders and deacons again two offices Not three offices, not four offices, not five offices, not a professional clergy, and then there's the elders. Not a professional clergy, and then there's the board of deacons. Not a professional clergy, and then there's the elders that are kind of his assistants. No, that's not the scriptural pattern. It's a plural, biblical eldership. And not only has Christ appointed offices in a particular church, But he's also appointed members. And by the way, elders are members too. And we believe here that everybody should belong somewhere. Everybody should be plugged into a local congregation where they're under authority, where they're uh, accountable, and where the elders that are in that local church know who is under their care. Because elders are going to be required to give an account for those that God has given to them. They're going to that's a scary fearful thing to recognize that you're going to have to give an account to those that have been placed under your care. 
In fact, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 13, 17, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. So elders have to give an account. There are members in a local church. There's leadership offices, which are the deacons and the elders. And how long is this to go? As long as it's, you know, the, is, is, was this a cultural thing? This is how the ancient Israel, you know, they were set up as shepherds. This is a Near East thing. A lot of the governments, you know, were ruled by tribal elders. So was that just a, a passe thing? Was that back then? That was a fad. But now, hey, now we've got CEOs in our churches. We don't need shepherd elders. In fact, John Maxwell in his book on leadership says, you know, I don't know what this thing about shepherds is. Pastors should never be shepherds. I'm paraphrasing badly. But he basically says, we don't want to be shepherds. We're CEOs. We're running an organization. We're building, we're building a business, in a sense. No. And our, our, I like the beauty of the catechism. It says, till the, end of, till the end of the world. This is what God has declared to be how the church is to be governed. So what do these elders do? They lead, they feed, they teach, they marry, they bury, they baptize, they administer the Lord's Supper and the ordinances. And as we see in paragraph 8, they're given authority in the local church. They're also accountable. You're going to throw paragraph 9 up there, David. So how do we get elders? Paragraph 9 says, The way appointed by Christ for the calling of any person fitted and gifted by the Holy Spirit unto the office of bishop or elder in a church is that he be chosen thereunto by the common suffrage of the church itself and solemnly set apart by fasting and prayer with imposition of hands of the eldership of the church if there be any before constituted therein and of a deacon, that he be chosen by like suffrage, set apart by prayer and the like imposition of hands. So the suffrage is talking about an election, uh, not by the running of a ballot. We're not going to have a con- contestant, you know, that uh, Paul and Eric are both running for the office of elder and they're out campaigning and trying to get, you know, enough votes to become an elder. That's not what it's suggesting. And some congregations, okay, they're, they are structured so that it's, um, we're elder governed, which we believe is to be the biblical pattern, versus having a congregation, congregational govern, governance where the congregation votes on everything. Um, that said, there's still, elders still need to be tested. Deacons still need to be tested. And good leadership is going to make sure that they have the support of those that they're leading. And ultimate, the ultimate authority really rests in the congregation to say, yes, we, we want this person, this guy to be our elder, or we don't. We want this person, that person, this man, to be our deacon. And so... It's dependent on the local church. And I love the language here. This is, you know, no outside body or pope or bishop may appoint an elder without the consent of the church. So somebody can't come in from the outside and say, this is your new 
elder. It's the local church that decides that. It's the local church that examines that candidate to become an elder. And there ought to be a season of testing, and, and we've done that here. You know, we did that with Mr. Law when he came. We, there was, he was not uh, set in as an elder the minute that he got here. He, it was a couple of years. And there's a time of examination where we do life together. And um, there needs to be an agreement between the existing elders and, and, and the church. And so there's, it's agreed upon. It's good. And sometimes it takes time. You know, it's sometimes you just can't, you can't microwave these things. It, it takes time to get it right and be patient. And we're not to lay hands on any, anyone suddenly. And if, we go to, if you want to go to the main text, in, in, uh, it's 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1. We have a very similar, in, in Titus, uh, chapter 1, we, we have a very similar passage, Paul instructing Titus. Here Paul is instructing Timothy. He says, this is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the hu- husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these first be tested, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, the wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Again, we have two offices, elders and deacons. Ultimately, it's a, it's a local church that it makes the decision, but ultimately, who, who appoints them? It's God. It's God. In fact, in Acts 20 and verse 28, he says, therefore, he's, he's speaking to the elders, and he's saying, take heed to yourselves and to the flock. So elders are, are not only to watch the flock, they're also to watch each other and to watch our own lives. In fact, I just read a book uh, it's a lot of Puritan principles from John Owen, but it's um, it's a it's a contemporary book, just hot off the press, and it's on on the the Puritan discipline of watchfulness. It's a beautiful book of of, of how watching our own lives, watching the patterns of our own lives, and and being aware. Why? Because we have an enemy who goes about like a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he may devour. But. We're to take heed to ourselves and to the flock, which in here, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. There's that language again of the shepherd elder caring, feeding, teaching the flock of God. And that's what elders are called to do. They're called to shepherd. 
What did Jesus say to Peter? Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know, Peter, do you love me? And what was his response each time? Feed my sheep. The second time he says, tend to my sheep. The first one is feed them, give them food, make sure they're well fed. The second one is tend to my sheep. And that's a pastoring, caring for, caring for and loving. And then it goes back to the third time, feed my sheep. Poiman and um, Bosco, the, the two different words for feed. That's what elders are called to do. And for this reason, Paul says to Titus, I left you in Crete, that you should set or elders, plural, in every church, because this is lacking. And then this gift is in them. We see 1 Timothy 4.14, one of our proof texts. Do not neglect the gift that is in you that was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. So when we see, okay, by, by there's, there's, there's agreement within the congregation, but then they're set apart by prayer and by the laying on of hands, the imposition of hands, laying on of hands. And pray, praying and fasting and and. You know, Jesus, that's what Jesus had a night of prayer and fasting when he chose the 12. And so all of these patterns are in Scripture. We don't have to invent new ways of doing church. God has made it perfectly clear in Scripture. And being an elder is hard work. Men by nature are spiritually lazy. We see that with Adam. Where was Adam when Eve was being tempted? And it's so much easier to just, you know, having a biblical eldership that's plural, that's co-equal, that's collegial, it's a lot of work to come to agreement, to come to unanimity. But there's protection because elders have strengths and elders have blind spots. Every single one of us has blind spots and we have weaknesses, and we have a fatal, like C.S. Lewis calls it, a fatal flaw. Everybody can see You see me? Everybody can see it in me but me. You say, well, why doesn't anybody tell me? Well, trust me, they've been trying to tell you for a long time. You can't see it. And you have those too. And this is why in, in a plural, the beautiful design that God placed for leadership in the church, it can be done, though. Paragraph 10, the work of pastors being constantly, uh, there we go, to attend the service of of Christ in his churches, in the ministry of the word and prayer, with watching for their souls, as they must give an account to him. It is incumbent upon the churches to whom they minister, not only to give them all due respect, but also to communicate to them of all their good things according to their ability, so as they may have a comfortable supply without being themselves entangled in secular affairs and may also be capable of exercising hospitality towards others. And this is required by the law of nature and by the express order of our Lord Jesus, who hath ordained that they they that preach the gospel should live by the gospel. So the focus of elders, pastor, elder, is to shepherd. And how do they do that? Primarily through teaching. 
and prayer. Do you know, I think, you know, in our day we see so many, the church filled with so many false converts or there's so few conversions that you end up spending so much time in counseling. I happen to think, you know, that if you get, if we can get true conversions, not a lot of counsel, not a lot of spent time spent in counseling because guess what? Get the Holy Spirit is you get a new creature. Otherwise, you're trying to, like the old saying, putting lipstick on a pig. You know, you're always trying to clean up the outside and clean up the messes. All elders need to be able to teach. They're apt to teach. And this is the primary distinction between elders and deacons. Elders and deacons, there's the same qualifications. Except elders need to be apt to teach. And we see in Acts 6, there was a, there was a conflict in, the, in their day. And many of the Greek Christians, you know, they began to complain. And they're saying, hey, listen, you know, no, you're know, you neglecting our widows. And, and so in verse 2 of chapter 6, then the 12 summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God to serve tables. Not that serving tables was less. Hey, there's a function for everybody in the local church. And, and so they choose probably what were the first deacons. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business, that we may give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word, teaching and prayer. We see in this paragraph also that elders should be compensated for their work, especially those who teach. In 1 Timothy 5.17 Paul says, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor. The term double honor is speaking to monetary compensation. And then he says, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. I think the Presbyterians go too far. They have ruling elders and they have teaching elders. Again, we don't see that in scripture and I, I think they go too far. But there are those that are more gifted in teaching or have more time or they're full time like Mr. Law where this is so compensation ought to be given to them and it should be generous and it should be a blessing to them. They shouldn't have to struggle. You know, Spurgeon said, if you have 10 families, you know, I have a lot of friends, they're, they're, they're part of churches, you know, and they, they, you know, there's this little group of three or four families or 15 families and they, you know, they, they can't, they don't, they, the, the local church can't afford to pay somebody. But it's because they're not obeying, in my opinion, oftentimes they're not obeying the word of the Lord. They're not tithing. So Spurgeon said, if you have 10 families that are tithing, guess what? You can support, you can support somebody. Because, and then think about that. If those 10 families are all tithing, that that 11th person that's an elder that's receiving full-time compensation would have the average of the salaries of the 10 families in the church. Spurgeon was pretty smart. 
double honor. And Paul takes them back to the law. Okay, so think about the law, right? On the, on, we have the two commands. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. On those two, we have the ten. The tenth, one of the commandments that applies here, don't steal. And then Paul gives an application here of the law. Don't muzzle the ox that treads out the grain. He says, do you think that that was written for the ox? No, it was written. Think about it. We're in a workplace. You don't pay your people. You don't take good care of them. Guess what? They go find another job or they don't work very hard. It's just, a, and this is what our confession says. It's, it's a law of nature. Man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. And, and here we see, we want to be a blessing. Remember, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So we want to be a blessing. We don't want to, we want to be generous. Always err on the side of generosity. Peter says, shepherd the flock of God which is among you. For 1 Peter 5.2, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but, but eagerly. Not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. When the chief shepherd, and remember, elders are only under shepherds. They're not the shepherd. There's one chief shepherd. Jesus Christ is his name. There are under shepherds, and they serve Christ as an under shepherd. When he appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And the calling, this is a calling. Elders are called. All elders are called to this office. It's not you don't serve on a board for, you know, you get a two-year term and it's like, you know, pick somebody out of the congregation and it's your turn to be an elder. No, this is a calling. It's a lifetime calling to shepherd the flock of God. Whether you're full-time or part-time, it's a calling. Versus a hireling that just, you know what, when the wolves come in, the hireling scatters. It's a career or it's a profession. No, it's, it's a passion. God called you to that. Galatians 6.6, 6, let him who taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. And it's, it doesn't have to be equal. Uh, here... Mr. Law is the only one that's compensated. He's the only one that's full-time. And so um, compensation doesn't, all elders don't receive compensation. But we see the scripture, those that rule well. And by the way, if you think about, uh, Waldron uses the concept of uh, concentric circles too. Okay, on the outer circle, those that rule well, those that are good leaders, they're diligent in leading on the outside. And then the inner circle, you have those that, that teach with the emphasis being on the inner circle, that that's where they're spending much of their time. And then lastly, paragraph 11. I'm sorry to fly through this, but there's like, you know, you got a half hour to go through four paragraphs and you could speak, you know, an hour on each one of these paragraphs. But this is important stuff. It really is. Because, you know, if you try and explain our church to you know, other evangelical Christians, you guys have elders? You know, what's that all about? You know, although it be incumbent upon the bishops or pastors, again, those two words are interchangeable. Bishop, elder are the same 
Some uh, maybe different Greek words, same same office. Or pastors of the churches to be instant in preaching the word by way of office. Yet the wor- work of preaching the word is not so peculiarly confined to them, but that others also gifted and fitted by the Holy Spirit for it and approved and called by the church may ought may and ought to perform it. So it's not just elders and, and deacons that can preach the gospel. You can, you can do the work of ministry. In fact, what we see in Ephesians 4, that God gave gifts to the church. He gave these gifted men to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teacher. Why did he give them to the church? To equip what? Equip the saints. What? So that they can do the ministry. So when we come on a Sunday morning or we come on a Sunday night, we're being equipped. And literally what that means is our, our nets are being mended so we can go back to fishing Monday morning and we can do the work of the ministry. All of us are called to minister to the world. We're all called to go out. Elders and, and gifted men equip the saints to do that. We see Philip preaching. Philip preaches when the Ethiopian is, is sitting up in the chariot. Philip comes up. What are you reading? There it is. We see in Acts 5, 8, 5, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Let's pray. Oh, Father, your design is so amazing. You thought of everything. And Lord, we... We're just not that clever. Thank you for your design. Lord, we ask you um, to help us to understand these things. Lord, we ask that you would bless uh, the leaders here in this church. You would strengthen them, that you would guide them, that you would lead them. Lord, even as we have need for deacons, Lord, that you would uh, raise up deacons in our midst, raise up other elders in our midst. Lord, that you would uh, give us as we have need, Lord. Give to us, Lord, and show us and lead us and guide us. And Father, we thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.